You're listening to In It Together, the podcast. I'm Arun Roth. Today is November 4th, 2020. Coming up, I'll speak with the head of the Massachusetts Teachers Association about how the teachers in her union are handling their jobs under the tough circumstances brought on by this pandemic. But first, we start with the latest coronavirus numbers. From the State Department of Public Health, they are reporting today 1,629 new cases of the coronavirus and 27 new deaths. The total number of cases in Massachusetts now stands at roughly 159,000, and the total number of deaths is 9,836. The state's positive test rate now stands at 1.9%. And one note on our national numbers, today, for the first time, the United States exceeded more than 100,000 new cases of coronavirus. Joining me now is Mary Najimi. She's the president of the Massachusetts Teachers Association. Mary, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. This is such an important topic. Yeah, awfully uh, intense history that we're living through right now. Indeed. Um, Well, cases and hospitalizations in in the state are are rising. As we reported at the top of the show, the test positive rate now stands at just under 2%. Governor Baker is uh, reinstating a stay-at-home order for nights. He has reinstated that. Uh, But schools are still open across the state. Um, Tell tell us your thoughts right now at this moment about continuing in-person learning. Yeah, you know, educators are scratching their heads in terms of um, why there's such a different standard applied to schools than there is to the public. You know, we, we hear that schools are not super spreaders, but we're watching very closely. The first week of that the Department of Education tracked cases in school, there were 97 cases. Five weeks later, we're up to 286 cases. So we, we can't no one man, be it the governor or the commissioner of education or the superintendent, should be forcing a one-size-fits-all policy about keeping schools open or closed. Those have to be decisions that are made by community stakeholders, which are the parents, the educators, the school committees, and based on the facts on the ground, not just one single criteria like the rates in a town. And for people who may not be familiar with how it actually works when when there are cases in a school, uh, you know, say I'm 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 a parent, so I I know the kind of emails people get. But when there's a case in a school, what do people find out about it? Whether from from teachers, staff, parents, you know, how is it handled right now? Right. So you know, there is a a level of privacy that has to be implemented to to protect the identity. For example, if it's a student. Um, But, and every district is handling things differently. If there's a case in a school, we've been trying to negotiate uh, for stringent contact tracing. We're trying to set a standard for the number of cases in a school, if it should just be the school that shuts down or the entire system that shuts down. There's usually some kind of uh, period of quarantine for the adult or the student. Um, but part of the problem is there hasn't been consistency in the ways that schools have set the standards for when, uh, when they should close because of a case or when they should go back to school because of a low case count. And well, that, that, that gets to 
also the, the the system which a state has used. You know, this this color coded system that we've talked a lot about, uh, and how it's used as a barometer for reopening individual communities. Mm-hmm. The state's education commissioner Jeff Riley came out and said that states in red, those are the places that have the high rates of infection of transmission, should keep their schools open until there's proof that transmission is linked to school buildings. Is there evidence of transmission within schools? And well, do, you, do you think schools in red communities should be open? Again, the, these have to be very local decisions because it's it's not just the transmission rate. We have to consider other factors in the building, um, like what is the, the level of uh, indoor air quality? Um, how much personal protective equipment is there that is going to keep people safe? Um, we also have to think about the demographics of the, the student population and the, the educator population. We know that our students of color um, too often go home to multi-generational families or, or live in multi-generational, uh, multi-family uh, uh, housing complexes. We also know that our educators of color are three times uh, more likely to catch the coronavirus. So it isn't just one simple criteria. Um, the criteria for when we should open or close or go back to school really has to be set by all of the stakeholders because they're the ones who know what's best for their communities. School's been in session for, for a couple of months now. Um, would love to know what, what you're hearing from, from teachers, from your colleagues about how, how they're holding up, in particular the ones who, who, are, who have been back in the classroom with students. Yeah, you know, the, the number one thing that is common amongst all educators, no doubt, everybody feels joyful when they are back with their students, no matter what the model, be it remote or in person. The other uh, common thing that that our educators talk about is they are working harder than ever. They are taking a 10-hour job, 10-hour-a-day job and working 15 hours a day. Um, We keep hearing them say things like they're doing uh, double the amount of planning because they need a different kind of lesson for the kids who are home on a hybrid day than for the kids who are in front of them in a hybrid day. Um, The other commonalities, and here's the common thread with your guest before, really what's happening is that the governor is making uh, economic decisions and not health and safety decisions. So we don't have the resources that are necessary during pandemic education. You know, and and we, we have to rethink our expectations. What is realistic to get through for our curriculum. Our students are lifelong learners. Um, We have to think about, should we be giving them the exact same curriculum as if it were normal times? Or do we recognize they're lifelong learners? They may not get the curriculum that uh, they are expected to get this year, but they are going to learn interesting and new things. Um, And and the other uh, common thing that, that educators say their students are stressed out about is this expectation that we're still going to implement MCAS, when really mm. what we need to be focusing on is the health and, and the wellness of our students and time connecting with them. MCAS undermines all of that. And uh, something that we, we've heard from um, a, a number of people that we've talked to is that uh, 
you know, schools themselves just physically uh, being very different, even within a particular district. You know, buildings can be very different. That uh, it, it's it's really hard to uh, establish a, a set of rules that works for for every place. Right, and and here's again where the state has failed us. We needed far more consistent guidelines across the state. You know, you have an example in Brookline. The Brookline educators went on strike yesterday because the superintendent wants to have the unilateral authority to decide when we don't have to sit kids at six feet apart anymore and when we should go back into the buildings um, or when we should would, should close the buildings. If the, the commissioner is indicating, instead of paying attention to science consensus, that more laxed standards are okay if you choose for them to be implemented in your system, when really what we need is consistency across the state and resources. It seems that, that you know, everyone would, would agree, I'm sure you would agree, that, that schools are one of the things that we would prioritize opening, you know, and then the key part is providing that we can do that safely. Uh, when, when we're talking about doing that, are, are there are there things that you could uh, that the schools could get, the teachers could get in terms of resources that would, even with the other conditions in terms of transmission rates and and so on, could could make it so that we could have schools open safe in red zones or, or anywhere else? Yeah, you know, th there really are. When we look at uh, models like Watertown and Cambridge, um, they have bargained over what the MTA has recommended and really pushed the governor on. And that is the implementation of rapid regular surveillance testing. In places like Cambridge and Watertown, they've gotten grant money from um, a private foundation, the, the Broad Foundation, so they could put in a pretty uh, stringent regime of, of COVID uh, surveillance testing. We actually need that to be more systematized across the state. Again, it's gonna cost money. And honestly, Arun, we live in the, a commonwealth and the commonwealth has a great amount of wealth. We have 19 billionaires in Massachusetts who don't pay, pay their fair share of taxes. The money exists if the state has the political will to raise progressive revenues so that not only can we uh, open public schools safely, but so that uh, parents actually have access to, to reliable childcare and internet so that our restaurants uh, aren't teetering on the verge of collapse. We need a massive investment in the public good so that we can we can survive and uh, the, the pandemic and bring kids back to schools in ways that are safe. Uh, I want to come back uh, before we, we, we finish back to pretty much where, where we started with this, the situation right now uh, in, in the schools with, with teachers. And as, as we talked about with, with restaurants that, that uh, you know, we're facing the winter. It's getting colder. We have schools that, that may not have the resources they, they, they need. Uh, what are you most concerned about right now? You know, I think a couple of things. The, again, this 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 drive for the commissioner of education and the governor just to push us all back into schools leads to absurd uh, guidance like uh, kids should go to school if they don't have proper ventilation the windows should be open 
and tell your community that kids should come to school wearing layers and coats. That was the latest DESE guidelines. Um, we all know to sit in a cold room for hours uh, is, is distracting. You're not your best self. So we're concerned still about the indoor air quality. We are concerned about the spread. Um, the, the more people that you put in a room for longer periods of time, the higher the likelihood is of the pandemic spreading. And teachers have made it their, their mission to both protect the health and safety of our students and their emotional wellness while they are learning. And it's educators who are not actually being listened to because they do know what it takes to keep our students uh, safe and well. Um, there, there just needs to be more trust uh, and more collaboration with the educators so that we can get these models right. And there needs to be decision making has to be left uh, in the, the hands of the stakeholders locally because they're the ones who know what's best. They know what's best for their community in a way that the governor and the commissioner of education do not. Mary, it's great to speak with you. There's so much more we could talk about. We'll just have to have you back on. Thank you so much. Indeed, I'm happy to come back. That's Mary Najimi. She's the president of the Massachusetts Teachers Association. Thanks for listening to In It Together, the podcast from GBH News in Boston. Before we sign off, tomorrow, November 5th, GBH News will be hosting a live election forum on Zoom and over the radio. From 7 to 9 p.m., we'll look at what's next locally and nationally and how we can keep hope alive throughout these challenging times. From 8.30 to 9, I'll be hosting a special live In It Together over Zoom. The event is free, but to get into the Zoom, you need to register. Visit wgbhnews.org slash election2020, and you can get a glimpse of my basement in Lexington. Our show is produced by Amanda Beeland and Matt Baskin. Our technical director is Bill Piacitelli. All music is written and produced by Elio DeLuca. See you tomorrow, and remember, we're all in this together. <laughs>